Hi, and welcome back to a podcast above a convenience store, Talking Twin Peaks. I'm Joe Fremming from the Joe Down. With me, as always, is Paul Muadib from Cast That Movie. How's it going, Paul? Better than last week. <laughs> I was I was dreading this, but no, better than last week, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, these episodes were noticeably a lot better than mm-hmm. what we sat through last week. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. These, uh, it feels like we now have a... A compass, a map, and we have, uh, at least in the, for most of these episodes, we have our showrunners back. We have Lynch and Frost back in some capacity. Yes, and that makes a big difference. Yeah. Uh, so today we're going to be reviewing the episodes, uh, The Condemned Woman, Wounds and Scars, On the Wings of Love, Variations on Relations, the Path to the Black Lodge, and Miss Twin Peaks. And uh, next week, we will be doing, on its own, the season two finale, which is Beyond Life and Death, which is, uh, we typically do the David Lynch episodes on their own. Yes. So, uh, so uh, let's, uh, let's uh, get your initial feelings here in these episodes. And I kind of have a list of... Uh, what I kind of want us to go through before we get to the nuts and bolts of, or the meat and potatoes of what we liked. We got to go through some of the bullshit. So. Yes. So there's still a lot of DC plot. There's still a lot of meandering, in my opinion. However, that does definitely, there is an arc upward. Like you start to kind of feel like, especially after that, like watching the block that we watched last week and then watching this block. Now, um, it was, I will admit when I went into this, I was dreading. It. I was like, oh my God, here we go. Another fucking six episodes of bullshit. And I was pleasantly surprised to be honest with you. I was like, wait a minute. These episodes aren't as bad as I remember. So really, I mean, honestly, I've always told people kind of skip what's, you know, what's going on, you know, after, after you find out who Leland is and go right to the end. Honestly, I think if you skipped last week's six episodes and start here, you, you you're 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 in a better spot. Um, I, I agree. These episodes, uh, I think, just because when you watch the other six episodes, it really drags you down. Uh huh. And so you're kind of going into these, and then it's just like it, you know, when you watch them, like you know, casually, you're you're kind of gradually coming out of the mist of bullshit. Where with us, we're kind of like we went deep into bullshit mountain and came out here like like getting out of a swimming pool and the chlorine's getting out of our eyes and we're like oh yeah. okay, this is what i like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah definitely it, i i was i was i was just like this is gonna suck this is gonna suck and i was like oh whoa, whoa wait a minute this isn't as bad as i thought it was gonna be um so that's good yeah so basically you can skip the the six episodes last week just start off with uh the first episode here, the condemned woman. You haven't missed that much. You, you really, you, you really haven't. <laughs> it's really <laughs> easy to jump right back in, um, because everything kind of starts at this point, right? Like, okay, so the Leo. I mean, in this, in the first episode, uh, condemned woman, right? 
Yeah. We find out, I mean, Hank's, Hank's going back to jail for shooting Leo. Okay, there's something that's put on there. Hank is incriminating Josie. Okay, that happens there. Then Albert reveals that Josie shot Cooper. And so, I mean, there's like things are actually happening. Whereas yes. the last couple episodes, nothing happened. Yeah. And I, I don't know the timeline of when Lynch and Frost finally kind of like starting writing the ship. They're not credited with writing credits. No. But it feels like this is around the time they step back in. And they're That's like, what okay, it feels this, like to me. Like, there's like, okay, we're just going to wrap some of this stuff up. And then, unfortunately, there's other things in motion that mm-hmm. they kind of like, they'll, they'll just rush through it. But uh, so with these episodes, we're kind of going to do it last week. We're going to kind of go through like the general gist of the storylines instead of episode by episode. We probably could have done two episodes each, but I guess we, our memories failed us in that these aren't that bad. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. So it's going to be kind of a rush job on some things, but uh, I the meat and potatoes, uh, basically the Black Lodge, mm-hmm. Agent Cooper being reinstated, and yep. uh, his nemesis of Wyndham Earl. But before we get to that, uh, Paul, how badly did Laura Flynn Boyle's uh, messing behind the scenes just screw her over? <laughs> And these, oh, because after it seems like she's like, okay, Coop, uh, Kyle McLaughlin and her can't really have real love interests. Yep, so Donna's pretty much written out of the show, and so is James. Yes, Donna and James are pretty much written out of the show, they break up. Thank God, you know, I mean, and I would put them in the same line of categories as honestly, somewhat. I mean, I don't like them nearly as much as I like. Um, Andy and Lucy, but like this was part of what it was, and then they break up, and it's it doesn't work, and it never was gonna work. And yeah, Laura Flynn Boyle really shot herself and poor James Marshall in the fucking foot. Yeah, this this is probably the first recorded instance of Laura Flynn Boyle being her own worst enemy, as we've talked about before mm-hmm. uh shockingly it's not the wasn't the last <laughs> was not the last um but yeah james just takes off on his motorcycle and go, ends up in san francisco i think yep and uh donna she's like pretty much mia until yeah. probably like one uh, toward the last two episodes where she shows up uh, with suspicions about Ben Horn. Uh, turns out uh, Ben is in the past was cuckolding <laughs> poor Doc Hayward. Yep, yep. <laughs> He's yep. the father of Donna. He's the yep. father of Donna, and, and he kind of figures it out. Yep, uh, Donna's a but, horn. Donna's <laughs> a horn. Yep. And so because of her finagling behind the scenes, uh, it Brent what. Well, I believe what was going to happen was this was going to be instead of Annie Blackburn, it was going to be Audrey. Yes. And that was, she was going to be in the black lodge uh, in an alternate universe that exists. Unfortunately, yep. we live in the darkest timeline. So we got this one. Yes. I don't mind Annie. Uh, but the justification was, you know, from Kyle McLaughlin is uh, Audrey's too young. Yes. Now, so we get uh, Annie Blackburn played by Heather Graham. 
Five years younger in real life than Cheryl Flynn. That's exactly it. She's five years younger than Cheryl and Flynn. So and if she anything, that makes it more creepy. <laughs> yeah, and she looks it. She looks like a child in this in this show. <laughs> uh, I, I, in all honesty, I don't have any, a lot of complaints about Annie, given the circumstances. Uh, she plays a, a pretty important role. Yeah. Eventually. Uh, she's the one who tells... Laura Palmer to write in her diary yep. about yep. her dream about Agent Cooper. Mm-hmm. So she, she has an important role, and uh, I, I, of all the complaints I have in the show, Annie's a pretty benign one. Uh, she doesn't bother me that much. I, no. It's just I wish this was Audrey instead of Annie. Well, and I mean, and the thing for 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 Heather Graham is, you know what? Kyle, I mean, uh, uh, for Laura Flynn's Boyle's meddling was probably the best thing that ever happened for um, Heather Graham. Yeah, it kind of gave her a big break. It really did give her a big break. I mean, before this, her, quote, biggest kind of role was Nadine in Drugstore Cowboy. Yeah, and that great film. It's just a very indie. Very indie. But because uh, of one of Gus Van Zandt's first movies. Yeah, 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 absolutely it is. And it's super, super indie. And, um, you know, but it wasn't, I mean, she wasn't that important in it. Yeah. But still, the point is, is that once David Lynch used her in both Twin Peaks and, and Fire Walk, you know, the, the show and the movie, yeah, that's what got her kind of out there. You know, and landing in Boogie Nights and all these movies, like critically acclaimed, she's in a lot of good movies. Yeah, Swingers. Swingers. Yep. Yep. Um, she was in Boogie Nights. Um, she was in. Uh, I mean, she was in The Spy That Shagged Me. Yep. Uh, she was in Bowfinger. Um, That's right. She was in Killing Me Softly. Um, she was. You know, she had for a limited run in Scrubs. Um, yeah, I mean, she. Did a lot of things. I mean, she was in The Hangover. Yeah, I mean, she's been in a lot of really. I mean, <clears throat> I wouldn't say she's had an amazing career, but Pretty good she, though. Better she's than had a good career. Better than someone else who kind of came in on this. And why don't you tell us <laughs> like who else came? Who mentioned earlier? Uh, who was the reason she has a career now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, but yeah. then on the other split is now Audrey doesn't have anything to do. Yes, but so, she... enter Zoolander's good friend Billy Zane, <laughs> John Justice Wheeler. John Justice Wheeler. It's <laughs> a perfect <laughs> wrestling name. It is. It is absolutely. It is. Sounds like the Packsaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> <laughs> I I would I would have gone. I would have gotten tickets to see John Justice Wheeler. Versus the hacksaw Jim Duggan, I would have seen that. Um, and then we got Billy Zane. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into this storyline. It because it's not really that elaborate. So what happens so, is Ben comes out of his uh, break. Yep. He didn't like this is one of the dumb things. He he become he's basically faking having a new turn in life, and he's like a health nut. He's chewing on vegetables all the time instead of his cigars wearing tracksuits like he's an extra in the sopranos um he's uh 
but he's basically he's had this new turn on life uh, to save the go save the pine weasel, which is inhabits the ghostwood. He's lost the ghostwood estates to Catherine. To be fair, he never really owned them. <laughs> it's always been yes. Josie Catherine thing. Uh, so now, basically, out of spite, he wants to stop the ghostwood development. Yes. And, and he flies in John Justice Wheeler as, uh, as an investor, I believe. It's, yeah, it's an in investor, but it's, it's also like a, um, a an advisor. Venture. It's like a joint venture or something, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. I, I kind of looked at it more as like the advisor role because he's like, hey, you're a good guy. And, you know, you don't, I mean, it, it's kind of weird that because when he originally came in and, you know, I mean, he's, he's a stand up dude, right? Yeah, he actually is. But when he came in, I was like, okay, this guy's working with Ben Horn. He's obviously going to be shady. And he's not. And that kind of threw me off. Well, he does fuck a high school girl, but and he's like in his 30s. Well, you know, I mean, she was a virgin. So what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it. The, the hate I think I have for John Justice Wheeler is this, like, it feels like a remnant of the what we saw before. And fortunately, it in these six episodes, it's played pretty minimal. Yes. And he just, uh, he beds Audrey and then flies away to never be seen again. And to the people out there, no, the horn kid in the return is Mr. C's kid. It is not John Justice Wheeler. It is not John Justice Wheeler, and that's, it's, so disgusting. Um, yeah, it's a glimpse of what should have been. Yeah, right. And it's the same thing with 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 Cooper and Annie. I don't see the chemistry. No, oh, there is no chemistry between Cheryl and Fenn and uh, Billy Zane. That is the one, first thing I wrote. It's like these two really don't hit it off. No, and and I will say that I didn't think there was that much chemistry between Heather Graham and Kyle McLaughlin. No, no, uh, it it's because you're forcing it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, it, it's feeling like it's forced with uh, Audrey and Cooper, but it, it, that felt like it came out more organic as the writing process and the acting process went. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that's that that felt more organic. This is just like because. Uh, the monster that shall not be named was fiddling around behind the scenes. <laughs> we have to get these forced love interests that go not really anywhere. It should have been this any black again by any Blackburn burn story should have been Audrey Horns, but we didn't get that, and uh, they did the best with it with what they could. <laughs> yes. So, yes. yeah, so Ben Horns, he's, he's basically trying to stro- stop the Ghostwood development, <laughs> which kind of leads us into the Ek- Thomas Eckhart, the Martells, Josie, and how Josie became a doorknob. No, oh. wait, not a doorknob, not a, a drawer knob. A drawer knob. <laughs> let's, let's okay. That's because it ends in like, uh, which I... Th- I I'm not, I, you know, I don't know, but my assumption would be when they did this ending, it's like, that's when Lynch and Frost are like, whoa, whoa all right. <laughs> it's a, we're, we're coming back. This, this has gone off the rails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let me, uh, oh boy. All right. 
how do I even start this? So we should have gotten Bob sooner. Can I just say this? We should have gotten Bob sooner. Yeah, and... but I think nobody besides Lynch and Frost knew how to use Bob. Sure. Uh, that seems like it's like the Red Room. It seems like it's uh, sacred ground to people. And when again, when they've used Bob in this, it just feels almost like a slap in the face. Well, and that's ex- okay. That's my thought. It's a slap in the face of Bob. Um, because what the shit is this? Yeah, um, so uh, let's get into it. So Eckhart, it's a very convoluted. Basically, Thomas Eckhart wants to bring Josie back to Japan or kill her. Uh, it's kind of, he has uh, a thing for her. Uh, the Martells, Catherine uh, uh, Martell and Andrew Packard, pretty much serve her up as a sacrifice. Yep. To Thomas Eckhart. Uh, to get revenge. To get revenge. Uh, again, uh, let's remember Andrew Packard. He's fresh from the Silver Shamrock fiasco, where he uh, <laughs> he stole Stonehenge and was trying to kill kids with Halloween masks. And that venture didn't work, so he returns to Twin Peaks. <laughs> um, and uh, he, you know, he surprises Eckhart in a in an elevator. And yeah, they serve up Josie as a sacrifice, which kind of goes against the Josie character that we learned from Secret History, and that she's she's more badass than this. Way more badass than this. Uh, so with Josie, we get Albert confirming that she's pretty much the the woman, the person who shot Cooper at the end of the first season and killed uh, the guy in Seattle. Uh, and they're, t- they're kind of on tiptoes around Her- Harry. Harry kind of has a, a sense that... The it's love not shitty, life, right? Yeah, shit's not right. He has a sense that the love of his life is uh, not what she appears to be. Yes. And... Uh, we do get Albert. <laughs> we do get Albert. Our favorite character. <laughs> I love Albert. God damn, Albert's amazing. He's got, he still has the quips, man. Even when he has to break bad news to his now good friends in Twin Peaks. Yeah, he is, he's a fucking treasure, um, in my opinion. There should have been a spinoff show about him. Oh my God, I would have watched that in a heartbeat. Hill Street Blue Rose. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, he. Yeah, and this causes. Now, again, this brought up to something we talked about before. This should have been Ed with Nadine when Nadine didn't survive the suicide, right? Yeah. And I feel like this was kind of a way for them. They didn't know what to do with Josie. And there's just, there's, like I said, there's still this middling. There's still this whole thing of, they don't know what they're doing. And I have to agree with you. I think they, I think they saw the writing of this one. And I think when they saw the notes of it and the fact that they went ahead with it, I think Mark and, uh, I think Frost and Lynch went, this is not okay. Yeah. Uh, they should have said that with James's bullshit adventures, but uh, <laughs> even I guess even they have their limits and probably didn't watch that either. 
Yeah. So Cooper gives Josie uh, like an ultimatum, like meet at the cop shop, turn yourself in. Uh, otherwise, he's coming after her. Uh, uh, Catherine sends her to the Great Northern yep. to be the sacrificial lamb to Thomas Eckert. Uh, Cooper finds out she's there. Uh, him and Harry burst in the room. We find that Josie has killed Thomas Eckhart. And then she just dies for no- just randomly. Uh, they try to explain it. I in the next few episodes, I think uh, Frost Lynch are trying to they try to have to write around this and try to include it with the Wind of Merle and the key to the Black Lodge. But oh boy, is this stupid. <laughs> So, yeah, and they try to put it off that it was that she died of fear. Yes, is what I got was that she was so afraid she died, which is just because uh, they use this when Cooper talks about he 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 sees because after she dies, Bob appears. Uh, you know, he starts screaming at Cooper, and it's it's really just like what happened. It feels like you're forcing Bob into other storylines where he really has no connection. Yeah. And then yeah. the arm starts dancing on the bed for, and that, that's you're just like what? You just throw your hands up in the air. You're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, what happened to Josie Coop? What happened to Josie? So the right around is Bob's attracted to fear, but not really. But not really. He is, but uh, what it is is the the Black Lodge entities are like. Fish to a worm with fear. They're just attracted to it. So that's their right around, and that ultimately becomes... We'll get into it with the Wind and Merle stuff, because that's pretty much the stuff I'm excited to talk about. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to get this up. So Josie vanishes, then we see her in the drawer knob, and, like, was really bad. And that effect is really bad. Really bad 90s CGI, Microsoft Paint or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, she's stuck in wood, uh, and I, and I want to say that why they did that, or at least why these writers did that, is because they took the log lady too literally. Yes, I mean that's that's really the reason for it is they think that when you know using her husband, her husband's in wood, so now we're gonna do this. Um, okay, so, yeah, I really think that was, like, that's when they went, they told these, these writers don't get what we're, like, lynching cross, like, they do not get this. Yeah, even to the point with Secret History, the chapter on Log Lady and her husband on their wedding night, it gives meaning as to why he becomes the Log. Yes. <laughs> like, his sort of character, his core values or whatever makes him an ally to the White Lodge entities. Yep. So, yeah, so Josie's now stuck in a, a fucking drawer knob. And it's just like, oh, boy, oh, boy. But it gets better, everybody. It gets better. But the the, the last, well, kind of the last one is uh, Ed and Nadine. Yep. Uh, Nadine breaks up with Ed. <laughs> yep, she breaks up with Ed. So, so she so. and Mike, or as you call him, uh, Snake. Small pint or whatever. Small pint. Snake. <laughs> Gunter. <laughs> um, yeah. 
so she can be with Mike. Uh, he tells Bobby, uh, I mean, this is when the writing gets a little bit better, and he explains why he's with Nadine, and he's like, superhuman strength and sexual maturity. So I can see it. He's an 18-year-old guy. Like, yeah, this is, he's all about just banging all the time. So yep. it, at least they write it to have it make a little more sense why he's with Nadine. Yes, he's in for Nadine because of the bootay. Yeah, and uh, so, but, uh, so, and it sees this is, is out to finally uh, marry Norma. Uh, yes. And uh, he wants Jacoby, like, because there's an ethical thing here with Ed, and that's why I like Ed, is that he's like, well, Nadine's not really herself. Is it kind of fair to leave her and jacoby has like some of the worst advice <laughs> jacoby's the well, jacoby is the worst let's just be honest there's a reason he's disbarred everybody <laughs> yes uh, not disbarred but kicked it from the had his medical license revoked oh fuck yeah uh so there's like a conundrum and then when they do this mediation with jacoby ed's like okay well i, I I'm going to marry Norma then. And then you see kind of like a flash of like, so Nadine's starting to come out from her psychosis and she basically busts Mike's hand because she's yep. reality's kicking in now. Yep. Again, this is where the writing, I think with Frost and Lynch on back on board it, even with a ridiculous premise like this, it gives it a little more weight <laughs> instead of cartoonish. Yeah. It's, it's not it's, the best, but it's at not least, the best. It's still not the best. It's not the best, but it's it's like given what we've we saw last week, it's just like oh, at least they're trying to fucking fix it, make some fucking rhyme or reason to this. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that's basically uh, the side stories. Yeah, I think that's uh, well. Are, are we gonna well, talk we got about Pete, the, are we also, the box? We might have to bring up the box, the puzzle. Uh, the puzzle box, yeah, uh, that box for uh, Catherine. Yep, and yep. Andrew. Uh, Pete's all about it because he loves puzzles. Yeah, <laughs> um, basically, what's inside this puzzle box is a uh, is a key to a safe deposit box. From, from that's all Catherine. we really need to tell you. There's not much. I, I do like. I do. I do want to say. I do like the chemistry between Pete and Andrew. Yes, because they feel like it feels like they were like school like elementary school buddies <laughs> yes long friends like they have a very uh great rapport yeah it's a fun dynamic between those two Absolutely. and the fact that Catherine is so annoyed that <laughs> they're together that they get along yeah it's yeah it's and um i think i mean uh, the other the only other thing is the pine weasel the pine weasel becomes important does it does it? <laughs> it yeah, it's like we talked about. Like, is the save Ghostwood uh, Ben Horn uses the save the pine weasel thing? Uh, there's a benefit. It's stupid. I, I, if you want to talk about it, go ahead. But it, it bites Dick Tremaine's nose, and I, I just I don't care. <laughs> well, you know, at least something at least something bad happened to Dick Tremaine. So, all right. No, no, we'll no, we'll go in. All right. So. So now let's get into the meat potatoes. Uh, Wyndham Earl, yes. Cooper's uh, chess game played mm -hmm. with real life pawns. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Um, and it is... I mean, it's... Okay, when we first saw Wyndham in the last last week, he took uh, uh, Rusty, a.k.a. Ted Ramey. Gotta love Ted. It wouldn't, be, love... it wouldn't be a cult uh, piece of entertainment without Ted Ramey. From the nineties. Yeah. I I love I love Ted Ramey. Um and <laughs> he was credited in the show as heavy metal youth. Uh, <laughs> oh, but his character did have a name and it was it was Rusty. Uh Rusty Tomoski. So when we first saw Wyndham and put him in a giant fucking chess piece and then, you know, killing him, it was like, again, we talked about it. It was Cesar Romero shit. However, um, then we start to see Wyndham kind of becoming more sinister. Yes. yeah. Uh, it, uh, it, it, he, he has a turn. And I guess, you know, they can't do that big of a left turn here since he's already kind of established, but he's toned down a bit. Yes. <laughs> he's not dancing and playing the flute all the time. He's toned he, down and he, he has the, um, he puts the bonsai plant. Yes. Uh, with the bug so he can listen to what they're doing. Um, and, um, yeah, I I liked it. I do too. Uh, so, what after Josie dies, uh, Harry goes into a a deep, deep drunken funk. Oh, he smashes up the book house. Yep, his, his world's upside down. Yep, yep. The death of Josie fucked him up. Uh, as uh, as it probably should have. I mean, that's uh, that's not a easy thing to go through uh you know the person he loved turns out it's not who he thought there's all sorts of uh just all sorts of issues with that alone uh uh cooper shows up at the at the book house calms him down a bit uh, calms him get, down a little bit gets him in gets him in bed there's a scene with uh sula and mishki from seinfeld she tries to kill him all screwing them it's another dumb thing uh taking yeah. care of right away but uh yeah it's uh that lead so he that leaves cooper in charge of the sheriff's station pretty much yep because and, cooper, uh, even though he was reinstated remember he was deputized yeah and uh this also kind of leads uh that briggs and the log lady both have similar scars from similar events mm-hmm. and uh, they need to bring Briggs in because I feel like I'm going to skip over some stuff, but it, basically they need Briggs in because Wyndham Earl's on the loose. Uh, Wyndham Earl was part of Project Blue Book. Yes. Uh, and Wyndham, Ar- Wyndham Earl knows about the white and the black lodges. Yeah, but they don't know that's his. That is his uh, reason for being here. They think it is to get revenge on Cooper. Yep. 
uh, they find out that uh, through Briggs, uh, they ask Briggs, uh, can you get us your Project Blue Book information on Wyndham Merle? And, you know, it's an ethical thing with him, but it's he's just been done bad by the, the Air Force anyway. Mm-hmm. And Cooper assures him this will prevent more deaths. So he's like, okay, I'll get you what you need on Wyndham Merle. Uh, and uh, they make a ref. Uh, so Cooper uh, makes a combination of their of Log Lady and Briggs's uh, scars, and it makes a sim like a, a, a fuller symbol. And uh, the police at the station, uh, I forget who it was, might have been Andy. He's like, that looks like the symbol in Owl Cave. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was uh, Annie that mentioned that it was Owl Cave. I think you're absolutely right. Yep. Owl Cave is uh, kind of like a, you know, it's a local place, but now it's like where teenagers party. Uh, I'd, ima- I'd imagine they don't, they party and never to be seen again, <laughs> given what is in Owl Cave. Uh, they go into Owl Cave uh, and <laughs> he uh his pickaxe hits hits a symbol and reveals uh like a it's not really a pylon but it's, it's, it's this thing jutting out of the wall with the owl cave famous owl cave symbol now yep and they don't know what to make of it uh the surprise here is Wyndham Earl's also on the scene for owl cave because he's listening into what they're saying he turns turns the stick and it causes the cave to just start earthquaking it up. Yeah, it's like Legends of the Hidden Temple style shit, yeah. right? But it reveals what they think is a puzzle. Yep. Uh, it's uh, glyphs and all this. Uh, petroglyphs. Yep. Petroglyphs. Yep. All this is like really cool. And this is what I believe is when Frost Lynch come back. Like, okay, we need to... <laughs> absolutely move this along you guys like you had six episodes of james being mopey and you're you did not deal with any mysteries <laughs> what are you doing yeah yeah so it almost at times feels like it's overwhelming now with <laughs> moving it forward but you have to because you have a limited amount of finite amount of time now to get to the end game yes um and it is it does feel very rushed considering then the last six episodes Nothing happened, and now everything is happening. Like the pacing is really jarring. Um, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Now just, go on. Well, no, I was just going to say. So then, well, since we're talking about Garland, let's let's just talk about this now. So then, um, are we going to bring up the horse costume, Joe? The what? The horse costume. Oh, where Wyndham Earl dresses like a furry. <laughs> Before we get to that, let's also mention uh, uh, the episode of Wings of Love. Yes. Warden Cole shows up to help with Harry and his massive hangover. Oh, God. He is just screaming, and there's like it, there's this moment I love, like, because Wyndham Earl's listening on the bonsai. And as soon as Cole shows up, like, the audio dial hits yes. head, and it's just hurting his ears. Yes. Yes, um, I yeah. It's great to have Gordon Cole back. It's great to have David Lynch back. 
Yeah. Uh, this is a character I love, and I'm glad we got more of him in the Yeah. Region. Although, is it a little creepy since we're talking about this and what's going to happen on the next episode? Where David Lynch himself has him falling for Shelley? <laughs> yeah, so basically Cole... Uh, Gordon Cole, uh, they go to breakfast. Uh, Harry pukes because that's how the FBI men get people to cure their hangovers, describing disgusting food. Uh, yep. People are severely hungover. Uh, it turns out, like, when Shelly talks, he doesn't need his uh, hearing aids. Uh, this is this is an oddly weird thing, but it, this I feel like this is a Lynch edition. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I like. I, I don't see it as creepy because I, I see Shelly is older than the rest of the the high school girls. It's considering she's married to Leo and has her own house, and she seems at least she's in her twenties as opposed to the eighteen. But I, so he's infatuated with Shelly to the point he like he orders all the pies <laughs> just to sit there and talk to her. Yes, I, I, I. I, I will say, I mean, it's just, it's kind of like, hmm, you know, it, I, I still feel like it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? <clears throat> I like it. I like the dynamic. Like, I actually like the interaction between Cole and Shelly. But when I pull myself back a little bit and I go... All right, Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know he did this just because he wanted to have a kissing scene with Imagine um, Amp. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. But it's a, he has like these lines like, that's the kind of girl that makes you wish you spoke a little French. Like, he's just like, he's just screaming this at the double R. Like, she obviously can hear it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's. It's hilarious. Um, yes, yeah, so there's that. Um, so, yeah, so Gordon's back. Albert's back. Okay, let's get to the horse. Let's get to the damn horse. All right, so Briggs, uh, they're doing, he gets him the file. They, uh, they get some the information on Wyndham Merle. <laughs> uh, he's like, I need to go for a walk and clear my head because he's been working overnight. Like, I think he's been gone for 24 hours. Yeah. So he's in the woods. It is full military outfit. <laughs> when the girl comes walking up in a horse costume, like he's a furry, <laughs> singing "Home on the Range." Oh my! God. And fire and, and knocks out. Uh, uses a dart. I mean, okay, this is back to that Caesar Romero, like. This is what I would see out of a bat, Bruce Wayne, you know, the Adam West Batman. Yes. Right. <laughs> Without a doubt, especially that scene. Especially that scene. Like, that's where I kind of went. This And this is why, when we talked about it beforehand, I'm like, I don't like Wyndham. And this is one of the big reasons why. It's just so... Um, it, it's so... Just not... Okay. <laughs> My well, mind. I'm gonna suggest something here. Let's let's do a recast of Wyndham Merle. Let's uh, borrow from your from yours because I thought about this and I think I have the perfect Wyndham Merle. All right, who do you have as the perfect Wyndham Earl? Michael Ironside. <laughs> you fucker! You pulled 
on Michael Ironside. Yeah, I can never say no. I he love is, Michael Ironside. I he can guess. do the charming and the sinister pretty good, and I think he had been a good foil to Agent Cooper. Hell, where I think yes. this Wyndham Earl was trying to be like kind of like like a happy, positive, but twisted Agent Cooper. I would have liked to see Michael Ironside play like a twisted, dark opposite of Agent Cooper. Yeah. And I, oh, uh, yeah. Michael Ironside, uh, he is one of my favorites. Um, I've probably seen almost all of Michael Ironside's movies. Um, and he is underrated. Uh, he's so underrated. Yes, so, I, I would. I can't say no. I mean, you pulled you pulled an ace of the ace of spades on me here. Yes, I will totally take. I, I, I probably wouldn't have had a problem with Michael Ironside in a horse costume. No, it would have been like it would. You're, you would have watched it like that makes sense. Yeah, I was like, all right, yeah, that's something Michael Ironside would do, uh, <laughs> but not Wyndham Earl. And I think that's my problem. Um, is. Yeah, so what was he? Okay, I want to know. There's like this, this, this goes beyond Hank's ability to call people. Um, because this means that Wyndham Earl has like uncanny ability to be out in the woods in a horse costume when someone decides to take a random walk with a tranquilizer dart. He's in broad daylight all the time. He's even in the diner and Cooper doesn't recognize him. Like, I'm sorry, even in like. Halloween costume. He has a pretty distinctive face. <laughs> he is not Fuji Takamura. No. <laughs> oh. uh, I, I Catherine could have been could have done better than this. They could have made Catherine Windermerle, and it probably would have been better. Yeah, and yeah, so he kidnaps Briggs, but like before Briggs, he, Briggs shows them a video of Project Blue Book. Yes, of a of an un, a starting to unhinge Wyndham Earl, which I think he actually, I wish he would have played that Wyndham Earl we see in the video, instead of what we saw in the show. Because in that one, he's almost like, and this is why I thought Michael Ironside is. He reminded me of Ironside and Scanners when they go back and watch old video of him being going on his paranoid kind of rants, and I was just like, wow, like yeah. Uh, uh, and I love Scanners. Um, actually, you know, he's, he's not in it. I'm just going to make a brief, brief side note. I ended up getting a, uh, ended up subbing, uh, to get, um, uh, shout TV. And, um, I'm so happy because they have scanners two and three. Nice. <laughs> we love so, our Cronenberg. <laughs> we love our Cronenberg. Although I don't think Cronenberg had much to do with scanners two and three, but still I love scanners, but yes, Michael Ironside, dude. I, I I could see him doing that so well and being better and being more sinister, because when he is playing sinister, even when he's playing cheesy sinister, yeah. there is something about Michael Ironside that's psychotic. Yeah, even is, if we're gonna go cheesy sinister Ironside, look at Highlander too. Right. Even that he's sinister, even though he's hamming it up. He's hamming it up, but there's that air of sinisterness in it. I mean, I did not like Heavy Metal two thousand nowhere near was it as good as heavy metal. I know I'm going on a tangent here, but Mike Lionside does the voice of the main villain in it. And it works. Like he's the one thing I like in, in heavy metal 2000. Yeah. I haven't seen that since it came out. I have barely any recollection of it, but yeah, that would have been like my, so who would you already cast Paul? <laughs> well, I'm going to have to, well, okay. If you're not going to let me do Michael Ironside here, 
Well, I already picked him. Why, why would yeah. you pick why, him? Why wouldn't I? Um, if I had to pick a Wyndham Earl. See, now you had time to think about this. Let me let me think about this. This is 1991. Who would have been? Hmm. Oh, I know who I would have picked. Who? Uh, hang on, I gotta look up his name. I never get his first name right. Uh, Billy Drago. Billy Drago. Let me look him up. Billy Drago. What What would I have known him from? Oh, he, oh yeah, I know. I know who this is. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he would have been a good Wyndham Earl too. Yeah, Billy Billy Drago is was a, a major character actor, um, and he played a lot of villains, a lot of villains. Um, he was uh, in 1991. Well, prior to that, you would have known him from uh, Hero on the Terror. Uh, he was in um, uh, he was in Vamp. He was in Hunter's Blood. Um, he was in Delta Force 2, the Colombian connection. Yeah, um, it looks like he was in that. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, I like Billy Drago, um, as a villain. I mean, he was in, um, he was also in the X-Files, uh, an episode of the X-Files. So he would have fit right in, uh, with this. And he just had one of those distinctive looks and I think was a, um, uh, was an underrated actor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I didn't recognize the name, but as soon as I Googled it, I was like, yes, like, I love that too. Like, that would have been really cool and interesting. Mm-hmm. Because, again, he can do sinister, and even when he's hamming it up, he seems evil. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that's what's really missing from from, from this Wyndham Earl. Yeah, he... They bring some of the sinister toward, especially in the last episode of this run, uh, Miss Twin Peaks. Yes, he gets more sinister. Even though, even when he's hamming it up, it looks a little more. It's a little more dark. But we'll we'll get to that. But basically, so he kidnaps uh, Garland. Mm-hmm. He wants to find out uh, what he knows about the White Lodge. And at this point, they're uh, they don't know that they're being bugged. But we 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 do they do find out that uh, they do start getting us. I think it's around this time that Cooper's like he, he's not here for me. He's here for the lodges because mm-hmm. based off the video, he's been obsessed with this since. I'm guessing that video is supposed to take place in the 70s, so at least more than a decade. At least he's been obsessed with this. Yes. So he's questioning Garland and Gar. His biggest fear, and I, this is like a classic Garland line, is like my, his biggest fear is love isn't enough, which is kind of like fits totally in with Garland Briggs' uh, philosophy. Yes. You see that as part of his his uh, Zen mantra, if you will. Yep. Uh, but he's once he starts talking about the White Lodge and when he was there, his brain becomes scrambled under the the drug effect. The drug. The truth serum. The truth serum. Is this the was this was this though supposed to be the same drug that Mike was using? To see, that's what I. I think they brought because they, they said the name, and I was like, I think that's the drug. 
So I think once using that drug and then having him talk about the White Lodge, he 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 scrambles like a TV. Yeah, he has an adverse effect when he's under the influence of this drug and trying to recall something he's. We'll see in the return. You're not really supposed to remember your experiences in this in the White Lodge. No, 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 you're not. And what what does he say? Something along the lines of "There's a time uh, if Jupiter and Saturn meet, they will receive you." Yes. Um, and then he starts talking backwards. Did you know what he was saying there? I did not know. Uh, he is saying that gum you like is coming back in style backwards. He is. He is. That's a cool little. That's a cool thing. I did not know that. I yep. love that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He is saying backwards that that tot mug ooh uh, ickle. Sai, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's that gum you like is coming back in style. The only reason why I caught that is because I watched these on subtitles. Okay. And, and so I was like, pause them. Like, wait, that, that's backwards. And I looked and I'm like, oh, shit. He's saying that gum you like is coming back in style. Wow. That's a fucking cool thing to have. And, like, people at that time, I've never picked up on that either. So that, that's a cool, like, thing that they threw in that I don't think a lot of people picked up on. <laughs> Yeah, it's I'm sure yeah, fans it, have it over since, but I didn't know until you told me. Yep, and it is it is the same drug. It's the Halperidol. Yeah. So yep. yeah, so that drug has an adverse effect with anything with these lodges. It's supposed to block it instead of uh, welcome these things. Yep. So I think that's what ends up with uh, Briggs has a bad effect when he's trying to be forced to remember that shit. Yes. And then poor Leo. <laughs> I never oh. thought I'd utter the words, man, but. So. He had this coming. He did. He did. And th- I also didn't like the character because he lets Briggs go. Um, telling and asking him to save Shelly, right? Yeah. Even though. This makes no sense. Compared this, to that up. makes no That's so dumb. Because. Yeah. There's no way in that short amount of time Leo had a fucking change of heart from trying to fucking burn her down at the end of fucking season one. It goes against this character. He tried to kill her before he ran off in the woods. Yeah. So so what Earl's doing now is he's uh, he cut up a poem into three pieces, mail get sneaks into the, the lives of uh, Audrey, uh, Shelley, and Donna because they have to give Lorfman Boyle something to do, I guess. Um they realize that this is coming from Cooper figures out this is coming from Wyndham Earl and it's all pointing toward the Miss Twin Peaks contest. Uh, he has three cards. It's uh, Audrey, Shelley, and Donna. Uh, the queen will be, he'll take the queen so he can kill the king. And yes. the king card is Agent Cooper. And the king card's Agent Cooper, but it's, it's no, but isn't it Shelley? Is it Shelly, Audrey, and Annie? It's Donna. And then, because he sneaks into Donna's house. Oh, that's right. Is the old friend. Annie is something he doesn't discover until after this. And he sees Cooper, like, romancing her. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Sorry. Right. I'm watching six episodes in a row. Yeah. It stumbles my brain. I apologize. No, we feel like Major Briggs. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so Leo wants to let 
he lets Briggs go. He, he, this is survival mode. Uh, that I buy. It's like he can't really. He's uh, he's been psychologically tormented. Uh, he. I don't think he can run very far. He still has that bullet wound or whatever. Yep. yep. He's still recovering from his coma. So uh, he lets Briggs go. And Briggs gets out and uh, good old Hawk just finds him wandering around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and what? And he's mumbling, protect the queen. Fear yeah. and love opens the door. Fear and love opens the door. Yep. Uh, this is another clue. Uh, they're forcing the clues at a rapid pace at this point because I think this stuff should have been was probably intended to be intertwined with the last six episodes. Uh, absolutely. This is like getting all the Red Room clues from season one in like an episode. In an episode, yeah. It, it's like the episode before the finale. Yeah, it's jarring. It's jarring. Uh, what this means is, uh, so basically... Uh, when you approach uh, Glastonbury Grove or Jackrabbit's Palace, uh, you have to either have fear or, was it fear or love? Fear yes. and love open the door. So Fear and love open the door. So fear gets you into the Black Lodge, which will get kind of retconned. And love gets you into the White Lodge, which gets, right. gets retconned. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's more of pure of heart in the White Lodge. And that's, I love who gets into it and that makes total sense because that kind of goes back to how Hawk explained it <laughs> originally. Yes. The pure of heart. Uh, but yeah, so, so Wyndham Earl's end game is to uh, s- steal the queen to kill the king. Yes. The king being Cooper. Yep. Uh, he also. Oh, go on. He also discovers before they do that the hieroglyphs are not a puzzle; they're a map. Yes. And uh, when we find this out, I believe, like once he figures it out, that's when we see Glastonbury Grove, Bob emerging, and then the red curtains in the in the pit of oil. Uh, this yes. leads to the ep- like. So he takes off. He comes back, and he sees Briggs is gone. Mm-hmm. Windermere looks different. Uh, he... This is something we see. We only see again in Firewalk with me. His yes, face is pale white, and his teeth are black. Yes, um, I yeah. believe this is probably a Lynch thing. Then I think it's a Lynch thing, and I think it's okay. So, really, I mean, we're kind of dancing around it. What? What? Earl is trying to do, Wyndham Earl's trying to do, is he's trying to harness the power of the lodges. Yes. Uh, he, he became obsessed with it, and he, want, he wants to, yeah, he wants that power. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's happening is, is that what we know now, knowing what we know from the return and from the secret history, there is no way anyone, anyone human, could harness that power. But hey, hubris has not stopped people before. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. No, I I agree. I agree. I mean, we're living with the president hubris right now, so I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, just a historical like it, people who wield power, like they have that hubris, and that's what Wyndham Earl has. Yes. What we also realize is Bob is using Wyndham Earl 
because he wants Cooper as his next host. Yes. We learned this eventually with the the last episode we'll be discussing next week, and then with the return. This was Bob's Bob's plan. He didn't ever wanted Wyndham Earl. <laughs> no, no, he never wanted Wyndham Earl. He knew he wanted Cooper. Yes. But yep. I believe he briefly inhabits, or at least part of him is in uh, Wyndham Earl with his, with his face is white and the black teeth. Because we see that with Laura, because she let part of Bob in her, but well, she rejects him. She rejects I, him. Okay, so I'm going to dispute that, because I don't think Laura ever let part of Bob in her. I think it's the influence of the Black Lodge itself. I think there okay. is some energy coming from that. Um, and I think that is being, I think that's part of what those lodge entities use in order to entice, like, Hey, we're going to give you some of this lodge power because this is what you want. And that's kind of what it's kind of like the, the first dose is free, but now you got to fucking pay. Okay. That's, that's my thought that that's my interpretation. I like it. I, I I guess we just don't know. That makes sense to me. Yeah, because I think if I think I think if Bob had a, I mean at any point I mean because the whole thing with with Laura was she was never going to let Bob possess her was not always fighting it, but she had all these Black Lodge influences and that's kind of what's basically in this one episode. <laughs> yeah, is firing into into Wyndham Earl. So because I do think again as you and I talked about previously I do believe that if. If he were to possess anyone, it's a long time. It's not short yeah. term. So I don't think he ever would have tried to per, tried to do that. But I do think that that they were giving uh, that Bob was giving the illusion that Wyndham Earl was succeeding in getting the power of the Black Lodge. Yeah, the illusion of power instead of mm-hmm. power itself. So exactly a taste, yep. of it. a taste of it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I agree. That sounds. I agree. That that seems a lot more plausible. Uh, but yeah, Wyndham Earl's now f- fucked up on Lodge Juice. Yep. <laughs> um, and he has a end game and plan. Uh, an end game that doesn't involve Leo. Nope. And, uh, so uh, we'll just. I'll, I'll just bring it up here now because it, it brought up in the final dossier and it's the dumbest kind of cliffhanger with Leo uh, to he's about Wyndham Earl's going to finish his plans uh, with uh, crashing the Miss Twin Peaks contest mm-hmm. and uh, so he leaves Leo with a string in his mouth holding above him like uh, a box of tarantulas uh, those would not kill him as Albert famously says in the final dossier, uh, this, he points out how stupid it is, like kind of a backhanded com- com- comment from, I think, Frost. Uh, but granted, he also wrote some of this stuff, so maybe he over the years he realized how dumb this was. Wyndham yeah. Earl ends up shooting Leo dead after the spiders fall. What's that? Wyndham Earl shoots Leo yes. dead after the yes. spiders fall. yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was, it was just, it, it doesn't work. It nope. doesn't work. So it makes for good television. It I, makes I, for good television. So let me ask you this, cause there is the meaning here. Um, and I want to know what your take on it is, which is 
the the clue is uh what what is it uh, if there's a time that there's a time if jupiter and saturn meet they will receive you what do you think that is it seems to me that seemed to me like the hint was that when that happens you can enter the lodge was my kind of understanding but as we've seen with firewalk with me and this series, it doesn't need the stars don't need to align to get in that place. I mean, Leland just walks right into it after <laughs> he kills his daughter. Right. So right. I think they're trying for something that just didn't land. It just didn't stick to landing. Yeah. It. So, because I, I actually looked into this. <laughs> you went down the wormhole. I went down. I I went down the the, the wormhole, as it were. So the idea is, is that there is a conjunction of the planets Jupiter and Saturn, which is called the Great Conjunction, which takes place every 18 to 20 years, a result of the combined 12-year orbit period of Jupiter around the sun and Saturn's um, 30-year orbitable period around the sun. Um, <clears throat> so... But the problem with it is, is that the last one took place, um, like, the last time it happened in 2000, uh, excuse me, um, last one took place in May 2000, uh, and the next one will take place in December 2020 of this year. So, it, you know, there is that, is that where they got the 25 years later type of thing? It was this supposed to be a big deal? Um, I question it but i just don't think it landed it just didn't land and uh using that uh that sort of stuff too it's hard i'm I'm glad they dropped it out of like secret history because these things over time like you know these comets or whatever they're not quite clockwork because the universe is expanding right changing so it it can't be like clockwork it wouldn't make any sense Mm -hmm. yeah i agree I completely but agree. So, I think they just dropped it, uh, and they, they used the twenty-five years later. I think uh, I think Frost said like it was like a throwaway line that they kind of grasped onto when they started doing talking about the return. Yes. Plus, it was also used in Cooper's Dream. In Cooper's Dream, yeah. So, but yeah, that's that's what that was supposed to mean, and I and I think that came into just like you know it changed because yeah, I think the original intent was the lodge would only open at certain points, um, which would make sense then, you know, why it would be the, the sentence. And again, when Cooper return and, you know, we, we will, we'll talk about that when we get into the return, it would make sense, but yeah, I think it's kind of arbitrary. Yeah. Uh, I think the lodge, ent- the return makes it, makes a point that the lodge entities can't exist outside of the lodge for a certain period of time. Yes. Uh, Bob, that's the whole, arc of mr c in in the return correct yep so there is some of that but i think they just kind of retconned they realized yeah this this is just not going anywhere i mean i think they're trying at this point they're trying to rush too many things in so yeah so that kind of falls by the wayside and uh, who the hell knows right we do know in the episode of the path of the black lodge is people's arms are starting to go numb 
dead if they were, if you will. Like we yeah, walk with me. Yes, uh, Teresa Banks had this happen. That was really interesting to me. That I really, really liked. I was like, huh, that's a cool little thing that I forgot happened in that episode that appeared in Fire Walk with me. Yeah. So this is, you know, these are kind of like the Lynch Frosty and things that we we can pretty much assume this is when they're, you know, this is their stamp on this. Mm -hmm. Uh, this I think Frost, if I remember correctly, uh, he had came back on variations of Revelations and it kind of said, okay, this is what we're doing here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. At this and, point, Frost had had writing credit on that episode, yeah. and I think said, "Okay, this is this is what you guys are fucking doing," yeah. and then I'm gonna bring Lynch in here to fix this shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So a woman at the diner, we just kind of see her arm going numb, and it's like a, like a very like brief, and it seems like a very weird thing, but it it has something to do with when the lodges are when there's danger afoot regarding the lodge. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Teresa Banks had it before she was murdered. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's just the sign. We'll see a little bit more. I think Pete's arm goes numb in the next episode. Uh, I don't quote me on that. I just remember something like that. But. Something like that. But then also Pete was talking to talking to Josie in the fucking, in, in, in the wood too. So, you know, there's that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to talk about the wood. We're not, we're not going to talk about the wood at all. No, we're not going to talk about the wood at all. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, um, yeah, that was, um, I thought that was a really, really cool, um, you know, uh, Cooper finally tells, um, uh, at that point in this episode, amidst the Truman, finally, that he saw Bob when Josie died. Yep. Yep. Um, and that's when, that's when Earl, that's when Wyndham realizes, oh, I need fear. Yep, that's um, the key. Yep. So he disappears and he comes back after being in the lodge. We, we don't know how long time makes no, time is irrelevant in the lodge. You gotta been in there for however. Yep. But he knows how to get in there, uh, and Bob wants Cooper. <laughs> Yes, and are we going to talk about Tim Pinkle? Uh, you can. Let's, no. Let's... no, 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 I'm not going to talk about Tim Pinkle. <laughs> no. Come on, Paul, tell everybody about Tim Pinkle. Oh, fuck. And so, uh, you opened Pandora's box, now you have to deal with it. So, god damn it. Tim Pinkle is is the dance choreographer, pine weevil expert, home care salesman, taxidermist of uh, and co-owner of Tim and Tom Taxidermy in the world of Twin Peaks. He is in charge of doing some of the choreography for the Miss Twin Peaks concert, and he's making the girls do a dance while he's checking out their tits. There's Tim Pinkle. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh, the... and, 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 and he screws Lana. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. But we have to remember, during these rehearsals... Oh, I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry, that was, uh, that was Dick Tremaine. That was Dick Tremaine <laughs> that, screwed, that screwed Lana. I'm sorry. So, 
during one of the rehearsals, Annie says she's going to enter the Miss Twin Peaks contest. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she says this, Cooper gets another vision, this time of the giant, waving his arms, red flag, no! Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he just lets her do it anyway. I mean, he, he's not the boss of her, but I would say, like, he could have tried. <laughs> that was the same thing you got the night Maddie died, dude. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Oh boy. Yeah, it, yeah. Things are things are heating up now because now we're heading into the Miss Twin Peaks contest. Yep. Uh, it's uh, it's what it is. Uh, Winnem Earl now though his he's he comes. Bobby's looking up Yeah, he dresses like the log lady. Dresses like the log lady. Knocks Bobby out. With the log. With the log. (laughs) And does some weird strobe lights and smoke bombs to cause chaos. Um, Kidnaps Annie. And um, Nadine... Is hit on the head because David Lynch said, fuck this, enough of this bullshit. Yeah. Although he's the one who kind of put the wheels in motion for this, so he only has himself to blame. Very, very true, very true. And then Annie shows up and tells Cooper that the petroglyph is a map. Yes. And the episode ends. Yeah, so we're now we're, we, we've got things set up now. When the Merle is the foil... He's being used by Bob mm-hmm. uh, because of his hubris and his quest for power. And now we're heading into next week with the finale of season two. Uh, yeah, these episodes felt rushed, but a lot better than what we watched before. Uh, a lot better. Um, if some of this would have been sprinkled in those episodes, maybe it would have feel a more natural progression. And I just feel like, again, I mean, this was a 22-episode season compared to season one, which was eight. Um, And it just, you know, now again, when we get to The Return, which is, what, 18, 20 episodes? 18 episodes, yep. 18 episodes. Um, it doesn't, and there's, there's gripes that I have about the, the third season, but at the same time, those eight, every one of those 18 episodes is far more entertaining than what we got basically from episode 19 the mass ball to this episode here miss twin peaks i mean miss twin peaks is when it starts to get good um again in my opinion yes path to the black lodge okay even variations on revelations when mark frost comes back in but lynch is back yep yep but really i mean you know, and Bob came back for a stupid reason. I mean, granted, we got Bob back, great, but Josie, really? Um, 
but yeah, I mean, there is a good, solid one, two, three, four, five, six, seven episodes where nothing is happening. <laughs> yeah, and that's the major complaint of the season is it, 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 they just didn't do anything. No. Uh, it, until, and then it just rushes toward the end and... We'll talk about it next week, but, uh, you know, Lynch, in an attempt to get a third season, he ends it on a bunch of cliffhangers. Yes. Yep. That was his ploy. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about the ratings on these ones, on the uh, on this. All right. Because this, this gives you kind of an idea. So when we talk about the, 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 the when, I, when I bring up these numbers, it's U.S. viewers by millions, Okay. So when we had episode one of season uh, uh, season two, which was May the Giant Be With You, they had 19.1 million viewers, okay? By the time we got to The Condemned Woman, the viewership was only 7.8 million. Now, when Bob came back after that episode, it jumped again. To 9.2 for Wounds and Scar. It jumped to 9.2 on the Wings of Love. But then nothing is happening, kind of. So <laughs> then by variations of Revelations, it's back down to 7.9. Path the Black Lodge only had 7.4. Then things started happening again during those two episodes. So what happened? 10.4 came back. Excuse me, now it's up to 10.4. It jumped 3 million yep. with Miss Twin Peaks. And they kept it with the next episode, too. They, they kept that with the next episode. But when you go to a season opener and it and the, 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 the season finale has half the viewership, you knew it was going to get done. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you compare it to the pilot which had 34.6 million U.S. viewers. Holy shit. And then by the end, you lost two-thirds of your original viewership. There wasn't going to be a season three, and so those cliffhangers were a big thing for us, and we'll get into that next episode, I think. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So... Oh, fuck. Got any more to go over in this one, Joe? Uh, I mean, we do get, you know, Ben Horn is uh, Donna's father. Oh, that's, oh, yeah, yeah, we got that. We got, uh, we got, uh, we talked about it briefly, but I think it's, it's kind of an important thing because they, they kind of talk, it kind of goes with this kind of change of heart. Uh, there's actually like a scene where, uh, Donna, is at the roadhouse, I believe. And Ben says hi to everybody except for her. Yes. And he's really awkward around her. And I, that's those type of things. Like I really appreciate in film and television is when they tell us more by just showing mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So yeah. to that scene, I, I'll give kudos to. Well, and I think that this would have been one of the Mark Frost storylines. Like, I think this was something that was in there. Yeah, to get Laura Flynn Boyle something to do. Yeah, yeah, and I think that I mean I think regardless of what would have happened, I think this would have been a storyline. 
Yeah. Um, um, it has a cliffhanger storyline. We'll yes. Get next week. Yep. Poor Doc Hayward. <laughs> and his... but, but I just mean, I think I think this was something that was intended from, like, the original. I believe so, too. I, 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 I do. I don't, I think this was something that was like, hey, this is what we're going to give. I think this is, because when you go back and look at some things there, um, going back to the show and knowing that and looking at little things like that, there are, as you talked about, little hints and 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 things towards it. You know, yeah. so I think this was one of those things that, like again, I think they were just rushing to get all their fucking everything out they wanted to get out, in hopes that it was gonna bring back season three. Yeah, uh, and you know, but it became a sleeper hit. Uh, it did. And uh, especially with Netflix and like for me, I rediscovered it when I bought the first season came out on DVD minus the pilot. So this, I was a little confused going back in. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, I think like people being able to watch this at home and be able to like, instead of having like week to week and, you know, commercial breaks and all that. To be able to take it all in, I think that was probably the best way to be able to take in Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it, we've talked. It, it was the show changed television. It just at it this did. time at this time in history when it's airing, people are just fed up with it. Yes, because <laughs> they watch this week to week, and then Paul, imagine us redoing this, watching it. One episode week every week, and we we go through that six. Would be six weeks of us being utterly pissed off. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it was like tearing off a band aid, right? Yeah, we were able to just zoom through it, and we had the the luxury of fast forwarding through the James stuff. People at home didn't have that on network. No, no. I mean, you could. I mean, when the viewership went down that far, there's. There is good reason why it did. I guess the other thing I'll bring up here, because we haven't talked about it at all, is with this episode, we finally got the resolution that Lucy's going to be with Andy, that'd be the father of the baby, and Dick Tremaine can go fucking pound sand. Yeah. Um, which should have happened... At the beginning of the season. From, from like, the beginning of it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Andy, uh, I like how Andy's kind of like, here he just figures out the map and then his role in the return. I just, I, they redeem Andy. They redeem. And it's Lucy. Lucy is very important in the return too. Yes, yes. They, yes. You could tell that those were characters that both Frost and Lynch very much appreciated and loved and do them right. Um, I do think they try to do James right. Um, by getting uh, rid of him completely. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I mean, you had a voiceover on the letter, and that was it, huh? <laughs> All right, James, good well, work. Well, good work. Um, this is how much we want to see of you. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, god. You know, and uh, and we've said it, I think, a lot. It's just, you know, hindsight's a bitch, and there is a universe out there where we got the right Twin Peaks. 
what should have been, and because we live in the darkest timeline, we'll never see it, and that frustrates the shit out of me. <laughs> because all of this leads me to this idea of what could have been. Right? I mean, we did, and I love the return. Don't get me wrong. I love the return. But imagine if we had gotten, say, season three, and then, you know, after this, and it was the way it was going to go, and then I just, I think, what trajectory would that have changed? Well, but we didn't get that. We live in the darkest timeline. Mm-hmm. But, you know, here we are. Uh, again, I think the Annie was would have been better with Audrey in that role. Especially with uh, the episode coming up. I think it would have mm-hmm. been interesting with Audrey in the mm-hmm. lodge. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> It would have felt like this, there was more at stake with getting if they were allowed to have Cooper's relationship with her. It felt like because we had grown attached to that, it would have been more impactful to us. Absolutely. And I think that what we got of Audrey in the return would have made more sense. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She's uh-huh. she's an enigma in that. But we'll yes. get to that when we get to the return. But, uh, yes. Is there anything else we should go over? I think we covered it. I mean, I think we covered this one's least... got went longer than last week, and we still did six episodes, but we had we had stuff to talk about. <laughs> yes, yes, we had stuff to talk about. But again, it does it does even though we did six episodes, and yes, it went longer. This was the average of an average episode for us. <laughs> yeah, and this is, and we're rushing it here because they rushed it. They and that's they didn't what it rush is. a lot of this out understandably the situation was not an ideal situation all around no 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 and it feels rushed and yeah i mean again we rushed it because that's exactly it they rushed it i mean we're kind of reacting to what they gave us right um i'm glad we didn't do these every two episodes to be honest with you as we talked about in the beginning after going through all this because really the only ones we should have done as two episodes was probably the black path and miss twin peaks yeah these two have felt like it could have been a good more in depth but we we go in depth i think we with the blodge and stuff we did a lot of that with our springsteen length <laughs> fire walk with fire walk with me yeah yeah and i yeah. think i'm the theories that th- we'll probably go longer on some of the the return episodes. Oh, fuck yeah! Well, there's a lot I, to there's a lot I to think, unpack with that one. And our secret history episode. Secret history. Be, yes. I think is going to be really long. So yeah, because we're going to do secret history with final dossier, right? I thought we were going to wait on final dossier. And yeah, do yeah, we'll do final return. dossier after the return because that's yes. where that takes place. Yep. Yep. So, so everybody, next week we'll be doing. Uh, the season finale and after that we'll be doing secret history yes. and then we're gonna get balls deep into the return <laughs> oh that's gonna get crazy i'm so excited for it though i'm so I excited i haven't for it. watched it in two years so i'm pumped yep yep same here i haven't watched in two years i'm super excited for it um uh okay well let's do some plugs joe what do we all have going on here well uh brown and i will be doing invasion usa that should be coming out uh, tomorrow, a Chuck Norris movie uh, for the Joe Down. Uh, we haven't done a Chuck Norris movie. Uh, we did Pretty in Pink last time, and I think we just I, – I, I needed more mindless action. Yeah. And stupidity because literally there's a scene where he drives a 
a truck into a mall to kill Russian terrorists, and it's the most ridiculous yet satisfying thing you'll ever see in life. <laughs> uh, Paul, what do you, what do you guys what do you have coming up? Uh, we have the retrospective episode coming up, which uh, you will be a part of. Joe will be setting that out. And we have a surprise for those um, ones that will do that. You and I are going to do kind of a mini episode as well. Yep. Um, so I'm not going to say what we're casting on that one and what the dream project is, but we are, we, it, it's going to probably be way more stream of consciousness like this, like this is. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, we're not going to have Joe to ground us. Yeah, uh, Joe really brings us back to her. Yes, he does. That's um, the problem with us doing a podcast. We just go off on tangents and then we just encourage each other. <laughs> we do. I and mean, I love it though. So it's gonna be kind of a it's gonna be a different feel of an episode. Um and then we're the three of us, uh Jode, yourself, and me, are putting together yet another podcast for the Joe Down. Yeah. Which is, which is um going to be about what? We are watching The Office. Uh, Joe and I are, he's a huge fan. I'm a pretty big fan. Paul, what's your experience with The Office? I've seen five minutes from about three episodes across the entire spectrum of the show, all 200 and some episodes. So I have no idea. Yeah, so that's kind of the thing is Joe and I are going to get Paul's reactions <laughs> finally watching the office uh it's gonna be interesting i think uh yes just because you're going in completely fresh i'm going in with no information whatsoever um you know truth be told we had a kind of a a, a meeting of the minds about it and they're talking about what they want to name it and this and that and things about the show and I'm completely clueless to these things that they're bringing up. And I'm going, I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> it was the, amazing. And that's yeah, going to be the podcast. Yeah, well, and the, the two of you are just dying and laughing about these things. And I'm going, I, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. So um, my, my only experience was I watched, I started watching a couple of years ago, the British version. Um. Because I was on a when when a lot of these shows um, I like I watched the British version of Shameless um, versus the American version, so I kind of thought that I would do the same thing with The Office, and I got through I think season one, and then I just never moved on to season two because I just have all this other stuff going on. So that's pretty much my experience with The Office is actually more the British version. Yeah, I watched the British version before I. Watch the American version. Somebody turned me onto it. Mm -hmm. I love the British version. Uh, he Gervais, Ricky Gervais is like a major dickhole now. Part of it, some of it I enjoy, but man, those his version of The Office is definitely in my at least in my top ten TV shows of all time. It's it was just, and we'll talk about it in the podcast because uh, it. To adapt the the most cringeworthy British humor into American for American audiences is it, it, it gets lost in translation. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I've that's why I that's why I like you know everyone laughs about the about the English version of Shameless, but believe me, the the British version is way more cringeworthy. 
Yeah, I think uh, when people when people want to ask me like what the difference is between American and British office, I, I'll say it's like the difference between Curb Your Enthusiasm and uh, Seinfeld. Uh, it's kind of like the same thing with Larry David, except when Larry David's on his own, it's way more uncomfortable to watch. Mm-hmm. He's just just a giant asshole yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah. yeah i love curb too and it is it, i think that's a great analogy because seinfeld's easier to digest and um curb is not <laughs> <laughs> curb will make you feel uncomfortable <laughs> curb will make you feel uncomfortable and i will admit i felt very uncomfortable during especially during that first season of um of the office um, but that's British humor. I remember being very uncomfortable watching the British Shameless. Yeah, I, I watched know. the pilot and I think the first couple episodes because they had it on Netflix for a while. They did have it on for Netflix for a while. Yep. Yeah. So I, I liked it. Uh, young James McAvoy, as I believe, right? Yeah, oh yes, it had a uh, James McAvoy. Yep, fresh off of Dune, uh, Children of Dune. Yeah. Yep. It, that's. I would suggest people check that version of Shameless out as well because it, mm-hmm. it's. It's really good. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's, the American's more digestible. <laughs> it's easier yeah. to digest the American version. Though. It's easier to digest the American version where the British version, like, there are scenes where you're just like, whoa, this, <laughs> they went there. Um, so, yeah, and again, it's what gave James McAvoy his, I mean, again, Children of Dune, he outacted everyone in that in Shameless, it wasn't even a contest. I mean, it was, you, you knew right away that this guy was going to go places. Yeah. He's, he's a, just phenomenal in it. Yeah, he's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal actor. Absolutely. He deserves all, all of it. All of it. I mean, I'll be, you know, going on a tangent here. Did you see the new It's? I saw the first one. I liked it. I, I, I got, yeah, I really liked it. I haven't got around the second one just because. I'm nervous because of uh, uh, how the TV series and the book with the, with the spider. I'm not sure how how well it deals with that. Mm-hmm. So is it worth watching the second one, second part? I really like the first part. It's okay. Uh, it's not as good as the first part. I um, thought the first part was really good. The first part was really good. Really right. good. That was like, that's like how I like, that's good horror, man. That yes. really good. It's really, really, the first it, part chapter one was just brilliant. Um, and um, when it, the second one, it is worth seeing, but just understand that it's not, you know, part of the problem with it and we're going on a tangent so if you guys want to go away we've already plugged everything that's that but um <clears throat> the okay so in the book in the book it you know what what's happening is you know it's the child scene you know they're the adults and then they're remembering what they went through and then they're experiencing it again right and that's kind of the horror the the problem with the way that they split it up between the two movies is that you feel like you're watching the first movie again but it's not as terrifying because they're adults versus the kids going through it but i will say that 
James McAvoy is riveting through the whole goddamn thing. I mean, it's worth seeing it just because of him. And honestly, uh, Bill Hader was genius in it as well. So it's it's worth seeing. Yeah, it is. I'll add that to the list of things I need to see. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they do a good job for what it was, but it was just, you know, the pacing and kind of, again, you're like, yeah, we saw this already. Well, that's how the book's written. So, but it does give a good ending to it. And, you know, they bring in actual elements of the book that were left out from the Tim Curry version. So, cool. yeah. So there we go. Other than that, I, I think that's all we have. I do too. Uh, so I guess uh, until next time, <laughs> you want to give this a good plug here, Paul? Um, boy, let me think. Um, and, and until next time, um, never trust a Tim Pickle. <laughs>